Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another FizzCast here one week before Christmas. Got a couple basketball games to preview this week. Alongside Ian Unsworth, I'm John Eads. Make sure to hit us up at orangefizz.net and hit up our Twitter at, or, uh, at orangefizz. There we go. Give us a follow. Continued coverage of the basketball season. All good things of that nature. And also, Fizzmas is tomorrow, Wednesday, the 16th of December. Continued signing day coverage. Things will be going up on Twitter all day. Articles will be going up. Interviews. Hit it up. That's your home for all things Syracuse football and recruiting during the offseason. But let's get back to basketball, Ian. Uh, two games this week for Syracuse. One on pretty short notice against Northeastern, which is coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone was really expecting Syracuse to pick up a game just off the cuff, especially with the COVID situation on and all the complaints from Jim Beheim about not having enough time to practice and all that sort of stuff, especially as this team gets closer and closer to ACC play. But, John, we've said it before, these non-con games, especially when they're against lesser competition, which Northeastern certainly is, it, it should be like a scrimmage. Syracuse shouldn't have a problem, and I'm not going to lie, after the first game against Bryant, which was a nail-biter, I was extremely skeptical, but after watching the way this team played last Saturday and... and uh, tagging that along with the rest of the non-conference games except for the Rutgers one because Rutgers is a really good team I, I'm I'm extremely confident that Syracuse walks in and walks out of this Wednesday contest unscathed yeah I mean after the historic 101-63 win over BC you gotta wonder you know how many more tune-up games how much more practice do you need I mean Syracuse looked absolutely unbelievable in that game of course scored 100 points for the first time uh, in the ACC, so since the inception of them joining, and then the 16 three-pointer scored is the program's best. So little, uh, little, you know, tying of the bow on the BC game, if you will. And now let's get into Northeastern. So like I said, Wednesday game tomorrow at 3 p.m. So weird time. Maybe you guys coming home from work, uh, pop it on the radio, catch it on ACC Network when you get home. It's in the Carrier Dome, and uh, we'll get the Fizz factoid out of the way. SU's played Northeastern seven times, and they've won all seven. So. That's kind of some background for you guys, preview of the game. Uh, Ian, want to tell us about the last meeting and then a little bit about Northeastern? Sure. Last time Syracuse faced off against the Huskies was in 2018. Syracuse won 72-49. to Not much of a problem. O'Shea Brissett had a double-double and Buddy Beheim 11 off the bench. So, a solid performance. I expect to see a similar thing. Maybe Buddy goes for 25 this time instead of a you know, paltry 11, because he can certainly make that number look paltry now after two years of improvement. But yes, yeah, Syracuse should win by at least 20 points. Um, but John, a little bit more background on Northeastern. They're from Bo They're from around Boston. Uh, they're in the CAA, which is the Colonial Athletic Association. Last season, they were 17 and 16, and they played this season, they've played UMass twice at home, and they split. So they lost the first game, won the second, but it's it's a relatively new team. It's, it's Bill Cohen, who's their coach, is building with a group of guys that are, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag of guys who are from all over the place. Yeah, his entire team, not one senior. Apparently, that's the first time he's ever had a team with 
not a single senior. And well, you know, we talk about how experienced and seasoned Jim Beheim is, forty plus years of coaching. Bill Cohen's no slouch either. Fifteen seasons. This is his fifteenth at the helm at Northeastern. He's number two all time in wins uh, in the school and in the CAA. And you get, you know, who's first? It's Jim Calhoun, the legendary coach, of course, at uh, UConn. Uh, so Cohen, when they beat UMass uh, last week, that was his 242nd win. The mark he needs to get to is 250. That's Calhoun's record. So, um, you know, he's uh, he's working on that. But, you know, just a little more background for you guys. This is a really, really good coach. He's, you know, he's been around the block, we'll say. But let's get into Northeastern's top players. Uh, the guy that leads it off for him, Tyson Walker, Ian. Yeah, Tyson Walker, he's put up big numbers so far. 24.5 points per game, which is is extremely good for anybody in college basketball. Five assists per game. He's also only missed four free throws. He's 25 of 29 for the line, from the line, excuse me. So not a guy you want to foul, and if he gets gets in the paint, you know, that could be an issue. And he's only six feet, plays the point guard spot. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how to approach this because we saw Joseph Young have great success, you know, using his little, his extremely high, like high level of footwork speed to get past Joe Girard and Kadari Richmond at the top of the zone. And he made, he made some stop and pop jumpers. He dished and he, he was a small guard too. However, is Tyson Walker at that skill level? I'm not sure. He's also probably not going to be ready to play against much better competition than UMass. So, I don't know. I would not expect him to put up 24 and a half points. However, if if Northeastern's going to have any chance in this game, he's going to have to go for at least 30. And take all these averages, folks, with a grain of salt, because, again, Northeastern's only played two games. They played two games, so, exactly. You know, it's like, I don't know, I go play pickup and average 20 points, but, like, that's not my, you know, just trying to just trying to paint a picture for you. But a little more on Walker. Uh, so, pair of 20-plus point games, that's his average. And he's also a New York native, so you know he'll be fired up uh, to come home and play uh, Syracuse in the Dome. Yeah. I mean, other than that, there's no, we're not really looking at that much. Jason Strong, 13.5 points in two games. Jamil Telfort, 12 points. He shot 75% from three, but, you know, he, he hasn't shot more than 10 threes this year. So he wouldn't even factor into the national numbers. And John, we can throw all these names out there, but I think the most important stat when it comes to their players is the fact that they have no seniors. They have eight players averaging at least 13 minutes. Seven of the players, seven of the 12 players on this team are from overseas, which is really unique and shows how Bill Cohen has to recruit to draw players to this Northeastern program. But at the end of the day, it really just factors up to and Northeastern's not going to be a cohesive enough unit to challenge Syracuse. Yes, Walker is an extremely good player for his conference, for his level of play. But he's not an ACC guard. He shouldn't trouble the Orange. It, it shouldn't really matter who Northeastern throws out there. Syracuse should dominate this game. And you mentioned the overseas players, 7 of 12. One of them I have a personal connection to. His name's Greg Igboy Bodine. He went to high school with me. He was uh, two years ahead of me, two or three years ahead of me. Uh, I just remember him walking around the hall, rock, walking around the halls at uh, U of D Jesuit, 6'9", 225. Uh, he also, his brother transferred in as well. His name is Ike, played at Marquette. Um, so that's kind of cool. I, I forgot he actually played there. I thought he uh, 
He's playing somewhere else. But he averages seven per game in the two games, five rebounds. And, he'll, you know, he'll be a presence down low for Marek and uh, Quincy to have to deal with. But just a cool little tidbit for you guys there. Yeah, he also had a couple of nice blocks against against UMass. This team plays with a lot of effort. You know, they're not the biggest. They're not the most physical. But they, they try their best. And the effort is certainly going to be there as it is with most lower I guess lower conference teams but John I'm I'm probably I'm ready to move on I don't think we should spend that much time on Northeastern let's get to the game that I think could be arguably the biggest trap game of the year for Syracuse and it's Buffalo this Saturday I'm actually going to be reporting it for the Fizz so keep it locked to Twitter at Orange Fizz this Saturday at 6 p.m. for my thoughts my opinions and updates of every sort of sort you could want it's a 6 p.m. tip, change from 7. It's going to be on ACC Network in the Dome. And Buffalo is, I would say, so, John, you're the football guy here, right? Buffalo was certainly the best team in the MAC. They have a chance in basketball as well to be maybe not the best team, but one of the top three teams in the MAC. Yeah, I think they're rebuilding from that dominant stretch they had under Nate Oates, who's now the coach at Alabama, of course. Four NCAA tournament appearances in his five seasons coaching there. Just unbelievable. And it's kind of funny. I remember a conversation you and I had in the dorm where, you know, we were, they were still kind of getting the schedule together. And I was like, hey, I'd love to see us play Buffalo. You know, it's a regional team, solid, you know, competition, a good tune-up game. One that Syracuse could actually lose. And lo and behold, a day later, it's on the schedule. Now, let's get it on for football. You know, that'd be cool, too. That's another that's another thing. But, uh, yeah, Buffalo, uh, a solid team, one of the best in the MAC, And uh, there certainly be a little bit better than uh, Northeastern. Probably one of the better non-conference games, uh, Sons, Rutgers, that Syracuse will play. Yeah, and so looking at Buffalo's record in 2012 last year, but the, Buffalo is always, they're always an experienced team. They've brought three, four guys back that really produce well, and they lost a couple of seniors that have gone on to play overseas, and they've tried, you know, tried their luck in the NBA. Uh, this year, they've beat Taos Timbers in Miami of Ohio. They actually just shellacked Miami of Ohio a couple hours ago. We're recording this on Tuesday. It's about 8.30, so the Buffalo-Miami-Ohio game, I believe, tipped at 6. Uh, they were up 30 last I saw. They lost to Army. I, I don't really know how that happened. I don't know much about Army basketball. But they lost to Bowling Green as well. And Bowling Green is the best team in the MAC, as far as I'm concerned. Justin Turner, if you don't know who that is, uh, you, you're probably going to see him on an NBA draft board somewhere because he is he's legit. He's 6'6", really good scoring wing. And Buffalo played them pretty tight. Like, they only lost, they lost to Army by four. A close game all the way through. And Bowling Green, let's see, 86-78 was the score, but it was a close game, and they, they really they competed. They really did compete. Um, here's the thing about Buffalo. They don't move the ball all that much. That game, Ronaldo Segu had the most assists on the team, and he only recorded one. So that's that's where Syracuse can really get Buffalo, and I think the zone is going to be key because Buffalo scores a lot of their points on hustle plays and individual scoring, pick and roll, isolation. So the Syracuse zone could cause issues for Buffalo. And, you know, those words, they play tough, they play, you know, energetic, they score a lot of buckets off of that in, in transition, you know, kind of reminiscent of that Bryant game, you know, that can be dangerous in itself, but 
the Bulls also just shoot 27% from three as a team thus far. Nobody over 40%. So another thing to look out for. However, they have a very, you know, Nate Oates we mentioned is out the door, but their coach, uh, Jim Whitesell, is very good as well. 34 years of experience uh, places like St. John's, St. Louis, Loyola, Chicago, just all those, you know, mid-majors that appear in the NCAA tournament. And he was also the lead recruiter on several of the stud players on the NCAA tournament teams over the years. Uh, Nate Oates, full confidence he gave him once he left and, you know, he took over. And uh, also... Only the second coach in school history to win 20 games in his first season as the head coach at Buffalo as uh, the Bulls went 20-12 and 12 last year. But anyways, let's get into this year, this season. Uh, Buffalo's got four players averaging double figures. And Ian, start us off with number one. So number one is a guy that I guess he was sort of their you know third, fourth, fifth guy last year. And he's not exactly the most assuming of a scorer because he plays down low. His name is Jonathan Williams. He's a forward, goes about 6'8", 6'9". He's super long, super lanky. That's the first thing you're going to notice. And his hair kind of sticks out. It looks like he has a pineapple on the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting look. But he's he's one of those players that you, you, you worry about if you're Jim Beheim Because he can slip through the cracks of your zone and absolutely bust your butt on the boards. He is a worker on the offensive glass. That's the first thing I saw. When I looked up Buffalo basketball highlights, the first thing I saw was Jonathan Williams on the boards. It's, 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 it could be a nightmare scenario because he's, he's about exactly the same height as Merrick Dolezal. They are very similar physically, very similar builds. So that could really be an issue. Actually, I misspoke. He is 6'5". He's not 6'8", but he plays like he's six eight, and he's a walking double double. I mean, he averages nineteen per game and nine rebounds. So, at those numbers, yeah. Uh, so, really good player, Javon Graves, right behind him, seventeen points per game, six point eight rebounds. And here's a nugget: he went to St. Vincent St. Mary High School, which, of course, is where LeBron James played. And uh, he's a senior, so he's been. He was on those NCAA tournament teams. He's seen the winning formula at Buffalo, and he's a guy that's left over from those Nate Oates squads. Yeah, they have a lot of leftovers. Buffalo's not a one and done school. They they keep they retain guys year after year after year and they all just build their chemistry together. One guy, I mentioned him before, he only and it was kind of in a negative light, but honestly my favorite player on this Buffalo team is Ronaldo Segu. And it's because in high school he had the nastiest hesitation move I've ever seen in my life. His hesitation dribble is disgusting and uh, you know and in his like ball is life hoop mixtape tapes he's this short he's probably five eight five nine shaved head he looks like he looks like a complete tweener but he's absolutely dusting kids with his hezzy and he's just improved year after year in college freshman year didn't really play that much last year was the sixth man now he's moved into the starting lineup 14.8 points per game only three and a half assists as i mentioned the buffalo Buffalo doesn't exactly distribute the ball extremely well, but he works really well in the pick and roll, and he's he's really effective as a free throw shooter, 83% from there, and he's just the point guard that you want running your offense. He won't turn the ball over a ton, smart, heady, uh, but the lack of three-point shooting, you, you mentioned it before, John, but it, it's, not, it's going to hurt Segu against Syracuse because 
if they close up the middle of the zone, Segu won't be able to penetrate, and he'll be stuck launching from behind the arc. So that's those are your key players for the Bulls. Uh, Williams, Graves, Segu. Another guy, uh, Keyshawn Bruton, 11 points per game for him. Um, just kind of a closing touch. One last thing about Buffalo before we kind of talk predictions. I don't know. Um, they have three players averaging 30 minutes per game. So Williams, Graves, Segu. But after that, it's a lot of mix and match. Eight players averaging double-digit minutes per game. So like at least 13. But it's really spread out, the minutes are. Um, so, you know, that could mean a couple different things, right? That could mean they're still trying to figure out who their starting five should be. Uh, they're just a very deep team with a lot of, you know, good bench players that know their role. What do you think there, Ian? I'm, I'm going with option two. Think of Florida State light. That's what I'm tagging them. Florida State light. They have a couple of players that are, are really good. They're not superstars, but they're really, really good. And they do a lot of things to help the team win. Everybody else plays a certain role. Like you mentioned, Bruton, Josh Mbala gets eight, nine boards a game, and he he doesn't really score that much. He just bangs down low. David Nickelberry, backup guard. Like like you said, the just distribution of minutes shows you that Jim Wetzel has trust in all of his players, even though Buffalo's only five games into its season. It's it's legitimately Florida State light. So there you have it. Uh, a very deep team, strength in numbers, perhaps, for this Buffalo team. Ian, I think we could pencil in a dub for Northeastern. Yeah, I don't absolutely. See, yeah. But as for the Buffalo game, um, I could see a, you know, I could see a scenario where Syracuse struggles. I mean, uh, obviously, they looked just unbeatable. or uh, They looked like world beaters against BC. Every shot was falling. Everything was going right. Uh, do you see a scenario where maybe they trip up a little bit? You know, what do you think? It's, it's tough because Buffalo's individual defense is going to get tested if Syracuse can shoot the three ball well. And Bowling Green beat Buffalo on one-to-one scoring because that's what Bowling Green does. It's, it's a lot of isolation ball. Justin Turner is the main man, and he likes to score at the top of the key and just kind of work you from there. Syracuse will have to do that same sort of thing. I expect a lot from Alan Griffin this game because Gerard will get locked up and the guys down low are going to have to really work for every rebound, every defensive stop. I, I, I expect a lot from Alan Griffin. I expect a good game from Quincy Garrier. And if Woody New, Woody Newton's going to have to come off the bench and be big. The, the thing, the reason I think Syracuse has an advantage though, is the three point shooting. I feel like we keep coming back to it, but you know, the zone, you got to make your threes. You have to make your threes against the zone and Syracuse is just such a better three-point shooting team that you know, I think late in the second half, maybe give it like six, seven-minute mark, I think Syracuse, probably Buddy Bayheim hits a couple of big ones in transition, and they start to pull away. And that was the thing last game against BC. Uh, the Eagles were one of nine, one of tw- between one and nine and one of 12 in the second half from three-point. They were just, t- they couldn't make anything. Yeah. They couldn't make anything in the second half, so... The second half of that game was super, super slow if we're being... It was just like, ugh, at this point. But yeah, Syracuse came out just absolutely firing from the beginning. They couldn't miss. So I don't I don't think it'll be like... It won't be BC again, but there will be a couple of big shots down the stretch, and I think Syracuse is going to hit those big shots. So Ian's thinking 2-0. and I said I said uh, 2-0 and last week, and I was wrong. Ian said 1-1 last week, so... You know, air on which whoever side you want here. It's kind of like a Stewart and Mandel thing over the the Athletic. They both write competing articles and stuff. So, uh, but once again, folks, uh, Syracuse versus Northeastern. 
uh, Wednesday, tomorrow, 3 p.m., and then Syracuse versus Buffalo on December 19th, Saturday at 6 p.m. Those are your two basketball games for this week. Once again, keep it locked in to Orange Fizz, uh, orangefizz.net for articles online, all the content there, and then at Orange Fizz on Twitter, Ian will be covering the game, he said, against Buffalo, and then we'll have somebody uh, covering for Northeastern, and then, of course, signing day uh, on Wednesday as well. Yes, absolutely check out the signing day coverage. One more quick plug, if you ever have any questions about Syracuse basketball, just tweet at us at Orange Fizz, as John already mentioned. I do the weekly mailbag for the Fizz, so any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Hit Ian up. That's kind of his new thing is the Orange Fizz mailbag. We've got some good responses so far and some good articles, and that's completely uh, fan-driven. you you know, that fan driven. Your questions drive what he writes, so definitely drop some of those here or at Ian, uh, at Orange Fizz. Just uh, do all that. But anyways, enjoy the two games this weekend, folks. Happy holidays uh, if we don't do a Fizzcast next week. And as always, go Orange.